0: We're going to have a chance to talk to Jose Fernandez and several members of the team today. You'll hear that audio tomorrow, and then we'll be headed with the team to Columbia, South Carolina for the NCAA tournament last year. In fact, we'll be replaying these games all Tuesday afternoon on Bulls Unlimited 2. We had a different situation, as did everybody, all going to San Antonio and actually playing our first game in Austin. Did you know that San Antonio and Austin aren't that close to one another? But that was worth the trip because the Bulls beat Washington State and then ended up taking on a number one seed, NC State, and challenging the Wolf Pack back in the Alamo Dome before losing. Never been to that next weekend, so it's going to be a challenge to get there. First of all, Miami is on a hot streak, just beat Louisville in the ACC quarterfinals, and really. Without that win, they're not in, I don't think anyway, because they were just okay in conference play. They were good enough to get up to the seventh seed heading in. If they didn't beat Duke in their first game, then they certainly don't get in. But then Louisville, well, that cemented it and in case you weren't sure, Louisville is a team that of course still ends up being a number one seed. They went ahead and beat Notre Dame, a top 25 team in the semifinals before losing to NC State. So Bulls have got to beat Miami first before even thinking about South Carolina and again that game is 1130 on Friday morning. It is interesting Miami got an eight seed and overall it looks like the committee kind of thought the ACC might have been Equal to better than the SEC all along. As we look at the entire field, SEC seemed like it could have gotten nine teams in. Missouri, being that ninth team, Kentucky took over, of course, winning the conference tournament and beating South Carolina, by the way. The only other team to beat the Gamecocks this year was Missouri. It was on a last-second shot. So Missouri did finish tied for eighth with Arkansas at 7-9, and and Arkansas got in. Is not playing in one of those first four games. I think... It would have made sense if Missouri State had been picked over Missouri because head-to-head, Missouri State, which lost in its conference tournament, there were not a lot of those big upsets in conference tournaments that knocked teams off the bubble, but they were certainly one. And it looks like they knocked Missouri out because they pummeled them head-to-head. But Florida State is the one that, if you really break it down, they basically got picked because they were a little bit better then two teams from the ACC that both looked like they would have been a legitimate eighth team to get in at one point earlier this year, Boston College and Duke. But they both just couldn't win any games at the end of the season. And essentially, Florida State was good enough to beat them during the season. They beat Boston College again in the conference tournament. Then they got destroyed by NC State by 30. And if you look at it, Florida State went 17-13, and 13, no wins against tournament teams pre-conference. They lost to Houston. They lost to Purdue, which was a not even in the top ten in the Big Ten team. So basically, the committee went with Florida State because it was the eighth best team in the ACC and not even close to any of the teams in the top five in that league. So keep an eye on that Florida State-Missouri State game on Thursday night, if the Noles win it, then I am 100% wrong. But I don't know, I would have had a problem if I was a Missouri fan with the Noles getting in but Missouri State definitely deserved to get in because, again, they destroyed Missouri when they played. So those will be your first four games as far as the at-larges go. Dayton against DePaul, and DePaul was the other very interesting case. It brought the total of Big East teams to four. Villanova, the team that knocked off UConn, got in as an 11 seed. DePaul as a last four in. And, of course, Creighton, which was the second-best team in that conference throughout most of the year, besides, of course, UConn. So actually... 10 conferences got at-larges. That was the whole situation, and I kind of pegged it. I figured the Power Fives would get the bulk of the at-larges, but there would be somewhere between six and eight available for everyone else. Well, five conferences did snatch up seven of those, not quite eight, but seven at-larges, with three of them going to the Big East, and then the American, the Atlantic 10, the West Coast, and again, Missouri State out of the Missouri Valley, getting one at-large piece. And Frankly, if there had been an upset, like a team like Princeton or FGCU getting beat in their conference tournament, I'm pretty sure Florida State doesn't get in, but I think the non-power leagues got treated okay this year. Elsewhere in that Greensboro region, outside of the Bulls, four teams, well, five teams, with Howard and Incarnate Word starting things off on Wednesday. You've got in the adjacent set of four, they're playing in Tucson, Arizona as the four, hosting UNLV, which rolled to the Mountain West title and gets a 13-seed. North Carolina, boy, interesting stuff here. They were number seven in the final computer net rankings, and they didn't get to host. They're a fifth seed, so I guess the ACC didn't get favored too much. North Carolina will play Stephen F. Austin. Also in that region, those are the teams that are next to the Bulls. On the other half, you've got Iowa hosting a group of four and Iowa State, and everyone's anticipating the Iowa-Iowa State match, if it was funny. Uh, one of those websites, one of those Twitter feeds put out the best team in each state. And that was much contended between Iowa and Iowa State. Well, they could end up playing each other. And everyone is pinpointing the possible Aliyah Boston from South Carolina against Caitlin Clark for Iowa matchup in a region final if the two seeds advance. Of course, Iowa's Caitlin Clark, if you didn't know, leads the nation in scoring. 27 points a game, has unbelievable shooting range, but also leads her team in assists with nearly eight a game. Uh, We hope they don't play South Carolina. We hope they play the Bulls, but... That's pretty impressive. Speaking of impressive, it turned out that exactly half of the games on the Bulls' 32-game schedule, 24-8, and including the conference tournament, were against postseason teams. Now, you do count UCF three times in there. You do count Houston three times in there. Houston, if you missed it, one of the four teams from the American to make the WNIT. In fact, Houston and SMU, if they both win their first games, would play each other. Tulane being the third, Tulsa being the fourth. But, of course, it wasn't just conference teams that made the postseason. VCU also made the NIT. But if you look at it, starting with the trip to Knoxville on November the 15th, a seven-game stretch of the Bulls schedule going into mid-December, basically a month of the schedule, Those seven games, six of them were against postseason teams and five of them NCAA tournament teams. Tennessee, which is a regional host. Then they go to Atlantis. Syracuse was the exception. Then it was UConn, which is a regional host. And by the way, possible second-round opponent of UCF, which got a very similar draw. I know UCF got the spoils of the championship. And they swept the Bulls this year, and they got a better seed, seven as compared to nine, but their draws are basically identical. They have to play a tough state team first, in UCF's case, Florida, and then they have to play a really tough team, which UConn is playing like a number one seed right now in the second round. So that'll be an interesting comparison. And while we're on UConn, talk about being a one seed, but actually with the two next to your name. If they get out of stores, they have to go to Bridgeport, Connecticut. You know who's not happy about that? An actual number one seed in that region, NC State. But anyway, UConn followed by Oregon, which did not get to host a regional, just fell out as a five seed. Stanford, again, another regional host. So the Bulls played three regional hosts, basically, in a span of five games on their schedule. And then, remember the next game, Texas-Arlington, the Bulls got stunned. Yeah, they're a 14 seed because they won the Sun Belt. And they will play Iowa State. I'm telling you, I would not be surprised if they give them a battle and then finally, in that stretch of VCU, the team that the Bulls came from a big deficit down to beat made the NIT. So, pretty impressive schedule. Said so we give you a little bit of Travis Trickett, the offensive coordinator, from his media availability the other day. Here's a listen.
1: There's, there's a lot of carryover as far as – so, for the guys, there's been very little transition on that aspect. Well, a lot, if there's been any transition, it's been maybe some details here and details there on how we do some things that may have been a little bit different from before. The guys have been very receptive they've been working their tails off really excited about the, the buy-in aspect of that right now I would say the uh, it's they're being challenged uh, mentally not only physically but mentally in the sense that we practice is very intense and so for them like we want to make practice at first so if you're in those situations how are you going to react and respond? And that's a, a huge evaluation rather than waiting and everything's happy, go lucky, then all of a sudden you play a game and something happens, good or bad. You you already know how a guy's gonna respond right now. So now that we know, now it's all right, but well, if it was great, reinforce it, show it, teach off of it. If it wasn't, it's corrected and shown how. Look, if this happens, this is what's gotta happen next. And make sure we keep putting them in those situations so they continue to know how to react when something good or bad happens. So, right now, I think the intensity has been very high at practice, which is great. That's what we wanted. Um, it's not it, It's not easy at all. It's pretty physical today, which is what you want. So, I'm excited to go up there and see. You know, when you're a carryover coach, you know, you have a history with players. You know what they're like on their good days and their bad days, et cetera. You know, you've come in, you've watched film. I'm sure you've heard some things about what guys are like. But what's it like when you, you really don't have that history and you're, you're just kind of trying to lay down new things all around um, – you know, are guys more on point, you think, because they want to make sure they're good with you? Or what's the relationship like? Because you kind of build it from the ground up. I think early on, everyone wants to please. And, and early on, it, this is reality. This is humans. You know, like, you like you get on the zoo, I got somebody new here. And all of a sudden, that's from a place perspective. It's like, okay, I want to get on his good side. I want to do everything like this. And then all of a sudden, if something adverse happens, are you still that mentality? Or is it now it's like, do we blame, complain, or defend our actions, whatever it may be? And again, that's this part of our job is when something great happens, we want to highlight that, celebrate it, and make sure everyone knows like this is the standard. But if it's something negative that happens, like, okay, this is not tolerable. This is not okay. We can this will not happen for us. Like you we will not allow this on the field. And it's been more the previous of like the guys have done really good to or reinforce that. But whenever the opportunity to teach off of, of a negative situation. That's where you see, you know, again, so far it's been great. There's been, like, the guys want to get better. They want to learn. They want to do right. And I think sometimes they're, they're naturally, like, if you're trying to do right, it doesn't happen. You get internally frustrated. But then, it's, again, how do you handle it? Do you let it affect you? Or can you harden up and say, okay, next play, let's go? You know, so that's really a lot of what the last first six days have been. Like, is the Coach Scott set up his practice schedule, where, so we kind of put some adversity in and I love how we responded today. It wasn't perfect, but we got some good responses.
0: And so zoned in on the women's basketball NCAA tournament, baseball and softball in full swing, that, that spring football game starting to sneak up on us. That'll be in just a few weeks, and we'll have full coverage of that for you on Bulls Unlimited as we'll be the only outlet you can catch it. There'll be no video stream of that one. But that's down the road. Immediately now, we've got baseball tonight. We'll recap it for you tomorrow. Again, we'll hear from Jose Fernandez and some of the women's basketball team, and that'll be on tomorrow's show as well. But that's going to wrap up the Tuesday Bulls Beat. Thanks for listening. I'm Derek Sharp.